ABF Creative. ABF Creative. You know, where are you taking things long term? Because a lot of people, you know, a lot of creators are like, oh, I don't, I don't got the money to do that. And for me, that's an excuse because sometimes it's not about money. A lot of times it's about you not knowing what to do with the money when you get it. themselves a serial entrepreneur like seriously i think in 2020 we need to redefine what it means to be a serial entrepreneur because if you're not necessarily balancing multiple profit and loss statements (laughs) from these other businesses can you really call yourself a serial entrepreneur i don't know you know that's something that i would love to hear your opinion on but today's guest is ani san y'all i love this brother He's from this New York, New Jersey area. He's an entrepreneur and he is a serial entrepreneur. My man is a real estate developer, a real estate investor, the owner of a digital um, strategy agency, a creative agency, rather. He is a talent manager for a rising hip hop artist, um, a popping one at that. And he is the owner of a restaurant called Kokata Chai. And I wanted to talk to Ani because I've been watching his plays for a long time and he comes to Newark um, where I'm from. He does workshops out of my office. And so we're really close in that sense. But I've been able to watch him during this coronavirus crisis and looking at how he and his brother has completely took this this virus, this situation for their restaurant and flipped it on top of his head. They've pivoted their business to all online only. And I, I want you guys to go support him and his brother. If you can visit kolkatachai.co. That's K-O-L-K-A-T-A-C-H-A-I dot C-O. And go get a gift card. You can buy a DIY chai kit. Um, make your own chai at home. Um, I can't wait to receive mine. I've ordered one uh, about a week ago. So it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a very inspirational um, interview, I would say. At the end, I'm gonna let you guys know all of the gems that I learned. So if you stay tuned all the way to the end, you get to hear my breakdown of every gem that you're gonna hear in this episode. But if you take yourself seriously as an entrepreneur who want to merge the worlds of culture and business, and you want to learn how to create coin from the culture then you need to stay tuned into this interview. This is a special one. See you on the other side. Yo, for people who don't know who you are, though, because this is there's a lot of people that's in my in my audience who don't know who you are. There's a lot of people who do. You know, we got a lot of the same friends. But for people who don't know who you are, like, how, how do you tell people who you are, man? How do you answer that question? Uh, so I'm an entrepreneur that lives at the intersection of business and culture. And my strength is basically in building and growing companies 
that live at that axis. So I believe that culture doesn't truly understand business properly and business completely fails to be a um, honest vehicle in, in order to promote culture. And so my job is to bring those two things together in an authentic way and uh, build businesses that help minorities create wealth in this country. And so um, I run a creative agency. Um, I am co-owner in a restaurant in New York City. I'm a real estate investor and uh, I run an artist management company as well. And so all those things kind of come together to form my holding group. And uh, that's, that's my job. I, I full-time live at the intersection of culture and commerce. I need the best way to word this. Because sometimes you could do things for the culture, but end up broke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And a lot of a lot of times people are building businesses and they for the culture, but the culture not bringing in the in, in the coins. And so yeah. how do you find the coins within your culture while maintaining authenticity? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I think, you know, for me, it was always being a creative person growing up and understanding mm-hmm. that the world was built in a way to dampen and discourage you from being creative, to mm-hmm. try to convince you that your creativity couldn't generate income. And I always mm. felt like that was such an unfair, untrue, you know, deal. I was like, that, yeah. that's, that's not, you know, that can't be life. And so, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, doing it for the culture, I think what happens is a lot of people have, you know, pure aspirations. A lot of creators, you know, come from a very honest place but they don't take the time to build an infrastructure from a mm. business side that will allow them to actually prosper, you know, and to actually monetize their craft. And, you know, I guess I was just blessed with, you know, having, um, I, you know, I think my parents kind of live in that, you know, my dad is super analytical and, and very kind of data heavy and, and my mom is more uh, empathy oriented and, you know, kind of living between uh, them two all the time. It was like, you know, I knew I was a creative person and I, and I had to prove to myself and to the world that that was something that you could, you know, live off of. So I think yeah. when, you know, when people think about their creativity, I think a lot of creators are just too, um, they're too precious about things. You know, you got a lot of perfection. Mm. They let good become the enemy of perfect. You know, you got a lot of people that, that don't prioritize and or in their own mind don't see business as a force for good, you know, Mm. and that's what I would encourage all creators to kind of reevaluate. It's like, yo, you know, you can't do for others what you can't do for yourself, you know? So if you're doing it for the culture and, you know, that's, that means it's just you and and four of the homies, like that doesn't mean much, you know? So to amplify it, you really got to, to tap into, you know, what that infrastructure is going to look like and then storytelling a way that, that you never stray, you know, from, what makes you authentic and what makes you uh, unique and, and what makes you different for better, lack of a better word. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's deep. First of all, man, I've been hearing that quote for like the last three weeks, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Yep. And uh, I think it's been a reminder to myself personally as well too, you know, because sometimes a lot of what I'm trying to do, I'm a creative, you know, just like mm-hmm. you said, like mm-hmm. I fall in the trap of, you know, not doing something or not presenting something because it's not perfect when, you know, I'm just hurting myself in the end. And so, yep. um, but, but there's, there's something I want to rewind back to a little bit when you said, you know, creators don't have the right business infrastructure. Right. So 
what is that? You know, somebody could be listening to you and saying like, yo, what do you, what does he mean by that? Like, what's, what's the correct business infrastructure? Like, what is that? Yeah, man. Um, the correct business infrastructure is essentially a framework in which you can get paid off of your craft, right? Off of doing the things that make you feel authentically alive. And an example of that is like, you know, if you're an independent artist and, you know, you're thinking about how do I fuel, you know, my craft from a financial side, it's about tapping into things that are outside of music and really being something that reflects your community in order to create opportunities and create income. You know, if you're into food, you know, cooking on Instagram is cool and that's one part of it, but how do you, you know, throw a pop-up? How do you build an audience? How do you drive um, customers to your creations and then, you know, use the income that comes from that to build a real business? You know, so when it comes to infrastructure, part of it is a strategic, right? So thinking about the the foundation for, okay, I'm going to do e-commerce. I'm going to do in-person activations. I'm going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And what's that, what's that strategy and framework like? The second piece is actually executing upon that. So, you know, you've got to create uh, payment, you know, modules and having ways to collect payment, knowing what you're going to reinvest your money into, you know, and, and also like having multiple revenue streams for your idea or business. And then the last part is, you know, where are you taking things long term? Because mm. a lot of people, you know, a lot of creators are like, oh, I don't, I don't got the money to do that. Yeah. And for me, that's an excuse because sometimes it's not about money. A lot mm. of times it's about you not knowing what to do with the money when you get it. You know, mm. um, you know, we, we tend to think like, oh, I could never raise $50,000. I could never raise $100,000. I could never raise, you know, a quarter million dollars. You'd be mm. surprised. You know, if you have the right product and the right story, you can raise that money, but you need to know how to turn it into more and really, you know, grow an enterprise. And I think that's the last step of it. So strategy, execution, and then vision. Man, you talked about a lot of things that, you know, <laughs> I, I, I quite frankly think you're a master at. And, and one of those things is the audience piece, you know, and I feel like you're really good at building an audience. You know, I've seen... Um, when you open Kokata, you know, Chai Company, um, when you guys open, you had lines all the way down the block. They probably went around the block. I don't know. But I, from the videos, I seen this huge line of people. And I was just like, yo, what, how did, yo, what, what happened? Like, how did he do that? And I saw you say a few times, like, yo, we, it's all about the culture, the story. And like, how does somebody, you know, build an audience like that, you know, and, and what, what, what is that? How do you tap into the knowledge or the, or your culture to build that audience? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is you need to listen to your audience, right? A mm. lot of creators, a lot of marketers, a lot of, you know, hustlers, everybody's trying to make moves, but a lot of times where, which direction are you going to move in if you're not listening? You know, and first thing is to listen. And and we really did that. So that means like, you know, if you were to throw a pop up or if you were to have an, you know, you've got an Instagram account, like really studying what type of DMs are coming into you. Like, what's the sentiment? What's the message? What are people craving for? You know, like what's their, what's missing in their lives? Um, And once you have listened and then you take, you know, your own experiences um, that kind of like mesh with, with, with the sentiment, you know, of that the time or the cultural zeitgeist, so to speak, like whatever that sentiment is, once you tap into that, you need to create things that reflect authentically 
reflect the response to that to that sentiment right so for us it was like realizing that as as brown people south asian people middle eastern people diasporic people Mm -hmm. we had nowhere to come together in new york city Mm. how crazy that is you know like and it's not just about brown and you know it's not exclusive in that sense but that's kind of where i started you know the cup before overflow Mm -hmm. And if you think about the fact that there's no space in a city that authentically that reflects, you know, the, the experience and the um, tastes of young South Asians, we were like, oh, this is a this is a open opportunity. But we were just the first ones to listen to it and put our money on it. Mm. You know, a lot of people, what they did was they thought, all right, I'm going to open a big Indian restaurant. It's going to be, you know, glitzy. I'm going to compete with these other ex- existing institutions, but I'm going to make it for brown people. But that don't yeah. work, you know, because mm. that's not what we want. Like, that's not, that's not what we need. Um, and, and, you know, I have the luxury, I manage an artist and he's also South Asian and really like um, seeing a lot of the anecdotal data that came, you know, through his platforms and his YouTube comments and DMs and, you know, like just understanding there was a hunger for something like this. And, and we just harnessed all of that and did a really good job storytelling, you know, creating content, um, branding the entire thing to be like, yo, this is who you are. This is where you need to be. And right. that's, that's how we've grown that, that business. And I also, you know, I can't be remiss that you were the, you were the king of starting small, man. Cause I remember <laughs> when we first, when we first started uh, chopping it up, you were doing, you, you, you and your brother, y'all had like a small like tent at like farmers markets doing this stuff. So like, yo, like what, talk about that. Like sometimes we, you know, like it wasn't always the, the New York city location, you know, in in Manhattan lines around the block. Like my, my dude, you was at farmers markets. You know what I mean? Getting your hands dirty, you know, next to the, next to the the guy selling cabbage or something like that. Like talk about the power of starting small, man. Yeah, man, we need a place to pitch. We need a mound. Um, you know, I think my experience as, you know, first generation immigrant and just having, you know, a pretty, um, I would say a lean upbringing, you know, we always had family, we always had love, we had, we had the things that were important, but we didn't necessarily have things. And so that mentality of, of doing a lot with very little has Mm -hmm. always been ingrained in me. Um, I think, you know, starting small to me is the only way to truly understand your business and build something sustainable so that a when it's stress tested or b when it's time to grow nothing feels foreign to you because you're really replicating the processes and you're replicating the mindset that you came when you first started Mm. you know i think there's um obviously you know to quote uh one of the greatest you know thinkers and and creatives of our generation you know nipsey hustle like if you got that marathon mindset, like if it's a marathon to you, you're not going to worry about, Oh, I got to make a splash on Instagram in, in six weeks. You know, like it's just that type, <laughs> of, that type of thinking, that type of calculus doesn't matter to you. And that's the type of approach we took was like, look, if we got a trap for 13 weeks out of a tent, you know, in Jersey city, then that's how it's going to be because that's where we were learning uh, product preferences. We were learning about our customers. We were gathering data, you know, repeat purchase data, um, most popular item data. You know, what what do people not like? Like that's where we were doing all of that learning, and that learning is what allowed us to a open, you know, in in the toughest city in the world, 
and B, survive something like the coronavirus and, you know, mm-hmm. where all restaurants and, and cafes have shut down, you know, not, and I don't know when we're going to get out of this, but we're still actually maintaining similar revenue levels than we had when the cafe was open by yeah. being able to pivot and being able to like, again, start small. And uh, I think it's just, it's a way to dig in and, and remove your ego and your pride from your business and just focus on learning the fundamentals because nobody who has good fundamentals ever like messed up. You know what I mean? Like you got NBA yeah. players who can't really do much, but they got good fundamentals and they're millionaires. Yeah. You know so like yeah. I think we live in an age where it's cute to, you know, go big or, you know, do all the things that distract you from just building a good solid business. But yeah. uh, the way I came up, like I just, that was never an option for me. So we did what we knew. Yeah. That, you know, the shift to Corona and I don't know exactly when I'm going to air this, um, but you know, Corona obviously has changed our world and, and our world is forever changed no matter when this airs. Um, but it's two things I want to touch on regarding Corona. Number one, um, I want to touch on productivity, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I think what's happening and I'm seeing, I'm seeing two sides online. I'm seeing two, two debates during the pandemic. There are people who they feel like, yo, this is the time to grind, hustle, produce, release massive amounts of content, doing all of this. And then you got a group that's more like, yo, just chill, relax. It's, it's mental health. Um, you know, just, just work at the pace that you're comfortable with. Right. And this isn't, this isn't necessarily with uh, uh, me asking which side of the debate you on, but more so like, what advice do you give to someone who's on the fence to say like, yo, should I be using this time in a certain way? Or like, what, what, what do you, what do you say about that? Yeah. Um, good, good question. Timely question. Um, you know, within the first, like, I just kind of recount my experience, but in the first, I want to say like 48 to 72 hours of, you know, things getting hit and, and kind of like the thing being real for New York city. Um, I lost $30,000 in show bookings for my artist in the month of April. I lost a $50,000 profit on a real estate deal that was about to close because all the banks just shut down and I had to, you know, sh- temporarily close a restaurant that was already, you know, just barely getting by because it's within our first six months, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that shock to my system just initially was real, you know, and, and I think that um, it threw me off, you know, in a, in a very, drastic way and for the first couple of weeks i really struggled man i think like it was uh it was tough for me to understand what this time should be spent on and i think the first thing i would say is like if someone's going through that it's okay you know what i mean like you you don't have to have the answers to a once in a hundred year event in the first <laughs> couple of days like it's okay fam like obviously you know you want to be you want to maintain uh decent habits and I'll, and I'll get into that but at the same time like you know, if you slip in taking a nap during the day or watching Netflix at a, a time where you should not be like, it's all right. You know what I mean? I wouldn't make a habit of it, but I would give yourself the permission to accept that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of how, you know, to spend this time and, and how I've been approaching it and kind of what advice I have. Um, I think, you know, this is a time how I see it is we'll never get this time again. 
Meaning, mm. I really doubt the world is going to shut down. You know, our worlds are going to shut down for three months again, six months, anytime soon. You know, and so in that sense, I'm almost looking at this like it's a gift. You know, mm. because you're not going out and you're not spending money on food and, and, and entertainment. So you get to save, you know, that's one side. Yeah. Um, everybody, especially entrepreneurs, you have massive holes in your business that you need to take care of, whether it's your taxes, whether it's your uh, legal side, you know, whether it's some product that you've been waiting to launch and you've been behind the ball on, like mm-hmm. we all have those, you know, and this is a time like, yo, you could work on that develop it and bring it to life in, in a quiet way. And you might never get that time again, because once the real world starts, you got to go to dinner, you know, you got to, <laughs> and you got to, you know, <laughs> you know, go, go to the gym. All the nah, that's real. So I'm looking at it like this actually might be a gift. Um, and, and the last part of it to me is like, this is a, a knowledge gathering time. So there's a lot of books that, you know, I've been wanting to read a lot of podcasts, a lot of things that I want to consume. Cause I don't get to consume a lot of cult, uh, content on a day-to-day basis because I, I just, I end up, you know, working 18, 19 hours a day. So I'm looking at this time like, yo, you know, if you want, learn a new skill. If you want, you know, body up on some knowledge that you didn't have before. If you want to come out of this, you know, with a new skill or with a new talent, you got the perfect canvas, you know, to be able to get started. And, and well, that's how I'm seeing it. Nah, that's dope. That's dope. I think it's all about perspective. Um, and, and I think it's, is I think I, I a hundred percent agree that take the time you need to take. Um, but also, yeah, you know, take advantage of this time as well. And so, um, I'm a hundred percent, um, in agreement with that. And one thing you did touch on that you wanted to expand on was habits, you know, developing good habits. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yo, you know what? I got the time now to do a daily meditation. I got the time now to, you know, uh, read, read a little bit more each day. I got the time now to, and just to even go back to what you were saying, improve my business. There was some holes I needed to plug, man. I just never had the time to sit down and be like, all right, yo, let's read, let's really think about this. Like, let's really think about how we moving right now. You know, I even, you know, got a consultant, you know, I was able to pay a consultant who's, uh, who's been in the industry that I'm trying to be in for, uh, you know, a ton of years and was able to really give me a new perspective on things. I wouldn't have had that time before to really sit down with a professional and really, you know, get that new perspective. So I think that was, that was, that was some good gems, man. And I think on the other side of the other question I would ask you about Corona is you did a wild pivot, bro. Um, with the business, with the Kolkata, man. And, um, and, and, I guess there's a lesson in that, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and learning how to pivot your business because of hard times, because of, uh, you know, this, 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 you know, even though it's Corona today, it could be something completely different tomorrow. We don't know what, you know, it's going to happen. Maybe lightning may strike and yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Cheese doodle stand catches on fire. And now you got to do something else. Like, so there's always going to be disaster or unfortunate events in life, mm-hmm. but you pivoted and you learned some lessons in a short amount of time. I would like to know what those lessons were, man. And, 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 you know, kind of give us some insight into how you pivoted so fast and what those lessons were. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the reason that we pivoted as fast as we did, just keeping it real, like this is the first year that I've actually had outside investors on, on different businesses, you know, so both on the cafe side and on the real estate side, 
Um, I have investors that I have to answer to and I've never had that. And God forbid, you know, we're in a pandemic. So, um, some of that was just surely motivated by the need to make sure that things didn't get to zero because, you know, we do have uh, our real world obligations nonetheless. Um, in terms of lessons that I learned from the pivot, man, um, I think the first thing that I learned was it's so easy to get into a comfort zone and a routine when you are operating at, at normal, like as normal, mm. you know, like we, yeah, we had to pivot and, and maybe the timing was, you know, was fortuitous to us, but it's my honest opinion that we should have done some of these things months ago, you mm. know, and that's like what I learned is like the, the chaos and the, and the, you know, the headlines forced us to really force your hand. Mm. Yeah. But I think that that, and we had the, you know, blessed to have the expertise and that level of execution to be able to turn that around and make it look seamless. Um, but you know, there's a lot of restaurants out there, a lot of, a lot of businesses out there that don't have that luxury, right. That weren't raised in the digital age or that don't have, you know, the, the team that we have to be able to put things together. And that's the first thing, man, is like, you got to stress test your business, even when things are going well. And that's the, that's the biggest thing that I learned that I think, you know, I got away from a little bit because, you know, when you're, when you're operating in New York city with a cafe or restaurant, like it's, it's heavy and hard as it is, you know, like every day is a struggle just as is, but um, I think we, you know, didn't stress test more and this yeah. was a perfect reminder. So that's something that I would advocate for everybody is like, as you're growing your business, if you're raising a new round or if you're getting ready to expand to a new location, go ahead and insert a scenario where, things go massively wrong, you know, like, and mm. see, post that stress test, will you survive? Um, little tangent, but there's a, you know, that a well-known ice cream company in Brooklyn and uh, called Ample Hills that, you know, a lot of people love, they got multiple locations and they just filed for bankruptcy because they invested like $3 million into a warehouse and um, like factory that just never came to life. Wow. And they didn't assume no one would, right? Like your factory plans that you invest $3 million into are just never going to be operational. And that type of loss you can't sustain. You know, so like that, that idea of like stress testing your business more often is key. I think the second thing we learned was, um, again, it's not going to be perfect, but you have mm-hmm. to find temporary solutions that allow you to move forward. And if it's not as elegant as it needs to be, that's okay. You know, I think yeah. from our side, we have a heavy emphasis on brand and, you know, the customer experience. And when we had to roll out deliveries in 48 hours and couldn't sign up for DoorDash or Uber because everything was backed up, um, we had to build that system ourselves. You yeah. know, it wasn't perfect. It meant, you know, our staff was on emails at 1130 at night and, you know, two in the morning and 7 a.m. And it was, you know, it was like, a lot of pressure, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, you can't let that imperfection stop you from actually, you know, making a pivot. And, uh, the third thing is, um, the lessons that you learn from this pivot, like not, not to forget them, you know, when, when things get Mm. back normal, new normal, it's like, keep adapting that mentality, you know, to, to grow going forward because, um, as things, you know, stabilize or, or get back, you're still going to need to innovate and we're all going to be three months behind, you know, our projections and everything. So 
keeping that hunger and keeping that that level of foot on the gas is is key. Man, those are gems, man. And just to touch on what you said as far as like visualizing what can go wrong, you know, there's a lot of spiritual gurus who be like, oh, don't, you know, keep your positivity, think, you know, think out the good, you know, and, and think every day, visualize it. And I'm with that. That's what I do, you know, so I'm not going to say up here and think about it, the, but this, there's a technique called pre-mortem. Mm. And and the premortem, you know, I read about that in the obstacle is the way, which is a book on stoicism. Okay. And um, you're definitely a true stoic, man. You know, because you you talked about a premortem without even really identifying it as such. But you have to, you know, almost kind of think of those worst case scenarios. You, nobody's saying you got to dwell on them all day, every day. Right. But you should think through. If this doesn't go exactly as I plan it to go, here's where I would go. Here's what I would do. Nobody say you have to study it. Nobody saying you have to keep it in front of you all day, every day. But to have it, you know, and 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 at least do the practice of of it at some point, and just stow it away for that rainy day. So when it does happen, yep. there's already a plan there. So yeah. you said it best. That's exactly yeah. That's it right there. Yeah, yeah, man. Bro, man, this is look, this is fire, bro. Like, I feel like you you dropped a lot of gems in a short amount of time, man. And you know, Ani San Y'all, man, you know, real estate investor, real estate developer, music, uh, entrepreneur, uh, manager, uh, talent scout for the for the gods, um <laughs> uh restaurant owner, like, you know. The list goes on, man. Like, and I think there's gonna be a lot of people who find a, a lot of inspiration from what you just said today, man. Uh, I, I, come on, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you being a vehicle for people like me to tell these stories, you know. And I think you've always been a connector in the purest sense, and that doesn't stop now, you know. Like, just because yeah. we stuck at home or whatever it is, like we're not stuck at home, you know. We safe at home, and and you can still connect and and still use your power. So I appreciate you, you know, for thinking of me and and for doing this. Once again, I want to thank Ani. Thank you for coming through, man, and dropping some gems for the for the people, especially during these pandemic times, this once in a hundred year event that's going on in the world. I uh, appreciate you, man, and, and definitely go support him and the Kolkata Chai Company. Look them up. They're on Instagram. They're on um, they're on the internet on the web. Um, order yourself one of those DIY. Uh, chai kit I can't wait till I get mine so uh, let's get into it what did I learn from my my dude Ani and I got a few notes here I ain't gonna lie you know I wrote I wrote a few things down uh, but the but the number one thing was you know how to find coins in your culture you know and and maintain being authentic and the lesson I learned is that you don't have to be a starving artist. I think sometimes we get this this sense when we care about the art that we have to abandon uh, the commerce side of everything. And you don't have to do that. As a matter of fact, it's smarter to build the infrastructure for your creativity. And you do that by having a solid framework to gain significant revenue from your craft. And so uh, I just think that is super important. What's your plan to make money from what you are creating from your art? And, and you got to start seeing, you know, money as a force for good, you know, and as long as you're keeping your story 
at the centerpiece of your company, nobody will ever question your authenticity. That's what I learned from my man. And uh, another thing that I learned is don't set mixtape rapper goals. He didn't say this exactly, but I'm saying this. <laughs> don't set mixtape rapper goals when you're doing this. And what, I, what, what is a mixtape rapper goal? That means, um, yo, I'm going to get a deal. You know what I'm saying? Like where all of your energy is focused on getting this huge, humongous deal that's going to take you out of the gutter and put you in a mansion. Now, do people get lucky and get those kind of deals? Sure. But you're more likely to gain success if you develop genuine steps on how to get there. You know what I'm saying? So and building a large audience and community around your product is a big part of that. And so uh, and when you get that audience. Learn how to listen. You know, Ani talked about listening to his only audience. And then once you take those learnings with you, you know, and you mix that with your own experience, you can create products that authentically reflect their sentiment. And so uh, I learned that from my man, Ani. Um, another thing that I learned from Ani was starting small. You know, he and his brother, they had a tent at a farmer's market um, before they had that big restaurant in New York City in Manhattan. You know, and so they didn't, you know, think about, uh, oh, man, I got to start with this big, uh, you know, grand thing. Nah, he was like, you know what? I developed a marathon mindset. I knew where I wanted to go and I didn't place my success on getting there in six months or three months. And you can't, you know, there's a chapter in my book. Don't dumb down your greatness. Um, you know, shameless plug uh, where I say you can't microwave success. And Ani didn't try to microwave success. He was like, yeah, you know what? This is a marathon. This is how I'm going to go about it. And we talked a little bit about productivity during Corona um, and how it was okay to take a fall back, take a step back and just breathe a little bit. But he also said, you know, you should be doing something to take advantage of this time that we're in in some way, shape or form. Right. Take advantage of that. Um, the, uh, last thing, um, I would say is the lessons from COVID-19 that he has learned. And it was three key lessons he learned. The first lesson he learned was, um, it's easy to get into a comfort zone when you're operating as normal. And so the chaos became a ladder and he treated it as such. Right. Um, and so using the, the, the pandemic, uh, actually forced his hand on things that his company was stalling on, you know, like jumping into e-commerce, uh, you know, doing deliveries. These are things that probably were like maybe six months, maybe even 12 months, you know, in the pipeline for his company, but chaos became a ladder. And, and because of the situation, instead of staying normal and staying as is, you basically didn't adapt. And so he had to use that chaos to get him to where he needed to go a lot quicker. And it, and it ended up saving his company. Um, the second thing um, he learned from COVID-19 was is to create a, pre, a pre-mortem. You know what I'm saying? Like plan out your, your worst case scenarios. Nobody's saying to dwell on your worst case scenarios. You don't have to dwell on them. But it's good to have a plan B in case something goes wrong. You know, not everyone is equipped to think on the fly. Remember, sometimes when, when adversity hits, your emotions are all over the place. And it's kind of hard to make rational decisions when you're emotional. So it's better to kind of make those decisions when you're in a normal state. So when 
tragedy does hit like a once in a 100 year event, um, you have a, a go to of what you should be doing. And so now's the good time to start thinking about that. Now, you know, we live in a very un, you know, predictable world these days. And so start thinking about that. And the third thing is adapt a new normal. Um, you know, and what he means by that is don't abandon the lessons that you're learning right now. You know, eventually this will end, you know, we will be back to normal. We will be back in our offices. We'll be back to traveling. We'll be back to, to business, but don't abandon the lessons that you've learned during this time. Love it. Love it. Love it. If you love this podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate and review, um, like us on iTunes and all the other platforms that we are on. We just got on iHeartRadio. Um, we're we're going to be on Pandora. We're going to be everywhere. So make sure you uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff. Make sure that people know we are here and share the episode. If you love it, then I love you. Peace. I got the-